promotion in the army gives you a great deal of status. You have more respect at higher ranks. You are given more interesting job opportunities. It's a badge of honour. It shows that you've done well. It shows that you're well regarded. You're deemed to be a success. Gisby here. Nowhere is promotion more delineated and integral to an organisation than in the armed forces, where the concept almost certainly originated. In this and the next episode, I'm talking with former members of the British Army to get an insight to what promotion is like in the military and how it compares to promotion in the corporate world. This episode features my conversation with Andy Stanley. Andy spent 21 years in the Education and Training Services branch, as it's now called, of the British Army, reaching the rank of Major before leaving to become a successful leadership behavioural coach and trainer. Andy started our conversation with a description of the part that promotion plays in the lives of serving soldiers and officers. Promotion is fundamental, really, and runs right the way through everything in the Army. Whether you join as a private soldier or if you join as a, as an officer, your career and the, the potential steps for that career are clearly laid out for you beforehand. So if, if you join as a private soldier, you know that within a certain number of years, you're going to be promoted to Lance Corporal. A couple of years later than that, you'll be, you'll be a corporal, then you'll be a sergeant, a staff sergeant. If all goes well, you'll become a warrant officer second class and move on to warrant officer first class and that that is very clearly laid out for everybody every individual officers leave sandhurst either as a second lieutenant or a lieutenant depending on age and experience and then they know that so long as they get over the correct hurdles they will get promoted to captain major so long as you stay long enough your next promotion will will, will happen everything that you do in the army every course that you take every job that you get posted into every opportunity that you um that you, that you take will in some way influence your your potential promotion prospects subsequently and it's a it's a topic of conversation it's always a topic of conversation we would sit around in the mess you know discussing who had made it to the next uh, level of promotion so even though there is that expectation that promotion will come, the fact that you're sitting around and you're talking about it and saying who's got to the next level, there's still some element of, I don't know, was it performance or, or yeah, oh, opportunity yeah. or what? Yeah, no, absolutely. There, there is a, there's a speed. The better you are or the, the better you're perceived to be, the faster you get up that, that ladder. And it becomes harder at, at each rank. The first stage, second lieutenant to lieutenant, you don't really have to do very much. You just have to, I guess you just have to make sure you don't mess up too badly. Once you've reached a certain number of years and um, you've received the right reports, and that, that would mean that your boss would say on, on your, uh, your officer's uh, joint appraisal report every year, there's a box for them to tick which would say, you know, ready for promotion or recommended for promotion. I, I, I don't remember the exact wording. So long as you get that recommended for promotion, you would pick up that promotion. 
the next step to captain, a little bit harder. You know, there are certain courses you'd have to pass. Your competition might be a little bit harder and not everybody will get it in the first look. So you might have to wait a year or two years, you know, in order to get that promotion. Then as you come to major, again, it becomes slightly harder. Uh, you know, you, you need to pass certain courses as a thing called junior staff course, and you'd have to complete that before getting promoted to major. On that course, when I did it, I'm not sure if it still applies, but when I did it, if you if you passed very, very well, you would get a recommendation for something called staff college. And that in itself gave you a massive opportunity to get promoted to lieutenant colonel. If you didn't get that qualification, your chances of getting promoted to lieutenant colonel were a lot harder. So you'd find that the, you know, the high flyers, the very successful, you know, we'd, we'd sort of, I guess, with a bit of jealousy, we'd call them the, you know, the thrusters. The, these are the people that were, that were doing very well and were getting all the right ticks in the boxes and would then get promoted to Lieutenant Colonel uh, ahead of everybody else. And major in the army is a rank that a lot of people get stuck at. A lot of people stop uh, at major. So you find that um, quite a few people leave the army at, at the rank of major. Quite a few people uh, will stay there and they become what we sort of disparagingly call the, the passed over majors or the POMs. And they, there'll be people who are sort of quite happy really to to continue in the role, even though a lot of younger people are coming up behind them and getting promoted ahead of them. What changes then? What's different about the position of major and beyond? I think that if you think of promotion in the army, uh, probably the same as in any other organisation, it becomes a very steep pyramid. There are very many lieutenants, there are very many captains, there are quite a few majors, but there are far fewer lieutenant colonels, far fewer colonels, far fewer brigadiers and it becomes harder and harder at each stage so you're 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 whittling the numbers down from major to lieutenant colonel and it becomes a lot harder now you by this stage you're you're well known you've had a lot of jobs you've got a a long record of performance and being okay isn't enough at this point you need to have held certain jobs at certain levels certain degrees of responsibility you need to have impressed the right people. You need to have got reports from the right people that say that you are, um, you're ready for this promotion. And the competition gets quite in- intense. I talked to you a bit earlier about how we would sit around wondering who'd been promoted. So every year, something called the pink list used to come out. And the pink list was literally printed on pink paper. And the pink list was a list of all the lieutenant colonel promotions right across the army and it was eagerly anticipated those who were on it we we never really knew it that's an i i can remember wondering whether they knew they were on it or whether it was a complete surprise to them but you know we would all get the pink list and we'd quickly search through it and there would be a kind of oh my goodness you know so and so got promoted or we always used to joke there would be someone on there that you thought deserved it someone who didn't deserve it and quite a few people who you'd just say, "Who are they? <laughs> Where did they come from?" So um, there was a lot of there was a lot of anticipation for the pink list, and a lot of, I suppose, jealous sort of criticism, bitchiness about who got on and who didn't get on. Mm. Uh, okay, that's interesting. So. Uh- in addition, then, to uh, and, and sort of apart from the fact that when you get promoted, it shows that you're on track and you're doing what's needed. How do people feel about 
getting a promotion. You're now in a major, you're now captain, you're now lieutenant colonel. What sort of does that do for one's own sort of self-esteem and feelings? Um, it's very, very significant, I think. Um, promotion in the army gives you a great deal of status. You have more respect at higher ranks. You are given more interesting job opportunities. It's a badge of honour. It shows that you've done well. It shows that you're well regarded. It shows that you're going up the ladder. You know, you are you are being successful. You're deemed to be a success. For me, and I th- and I think I th- I don't think I'm unusual in this because I know I had a lot of friends who were very similar. We started to get quite disheartened around lieutenant colonel promotion because this was where we started to recognize how the army perceived us and i think up to that point we had been told you know from the minute we arrived at sandhurst as officer cadets we were told that we were you know elite we'd, we'd made it through this incredible selection process we'd been to the to the best military college in the world we were in the best army in the world so we felt impregnable you know we felt wonderful and then you get to major and you start to find that life isn't quite as good there are barriers there are limits to what you can and can't achieve and I think for me the moment I realized that I probably had come to the end of my military career was when I started to see uh, younger people getting promoted ahead of me I started to see that I was regularly missing the pink list. I was regularly achieving very average results, not you know, not not high enough results to get to get promoted. And yet, it becomes quite disheartening. I suppose it's a bit of realization that being very subtly told that uh, you've reached your ceiling. And you say subtly. So, I mean, how is how is it all managed? I mean, in the corporate world, uh, you would have a manager and you would have conversations with your manager about getting promoted, you know, other opportunities, and you would you would also get feedback if you weren't getting promoted or went for something and you didn't get it, or or may even just be approached and told you're doing really well. We want to promote you. How is that process managed in the in the army? I, I think it's managed exactly in exactly the same way. That you describe it's managed it's managed quite well so every year everybody receives a, a, an ojar which is an officer's joint appraisal report at the start of the year you would receive you'd have a conversation with your with your boss about you know what was to be achieved in the year and what your objectives were and what they hoped you would you you would do and at that meeting you know you'd always you'd always say well you know I want to get promoted I want to, I'd like to be a lieutenant colonel and you'd have this fairly structured conversation Halfway through, sort of six-month point, you'd have a conversation about how you're doing. Now, I suppose this is a point really where really good bosses, really good leaders could help you at this point. They could direct you into the kind of work that you needed to do. They could give you certain projects that would help you out. They could do things to increase your chances. Sometimes that wasn't possible. So depending on the jobs that you chose to do, you might just find yourself in a job where it didn't really matter what you did it didn't really matter how good you were because you were never going to be hitting those targets that the army considered or your bit of the army considered to be important I I can give you a really good example of that in one of my roles towards the end of my career I 
took a job as the officer commanding Gurkha language wing in Catterick. I did it because I wanted to do it. It was a fascinating job. It gave me the opportunity to travel to Nepal, to work with Gurkhas, to do some you know, really interesting stuff. But I knew when I took that job, and I was told when I took that job, that it wasn't something that was going to help me get promoted. And the reason for that was that the education branch has a certain number of jobs that they call um, command earning appointments that are considered to be very sort of high profile considered to be quite stressful, quite um, challenging. And for some reason, which I never really understood, that this job wasn't in that category. Although it actually it was very stressful and very challenging, and it, wasn't, it wasn't in that category. So I was told, you know, take the job because it's going to be fun, but you're not going to really do very well professionally out of it. And one of the problems I had was I was reported on immediately. My, my, my first report um, was from a lieutenant colonel who was reporting on... I think it was five or six majors. The other majors that he was reporting on were infantry officers who were commanding infantry companies that were very high profile. They were re- new recruits into the into the army, and I wasn't. I was sort of attached onto the end of this as a, a almost like a an appendage to his his command. So what he had to do at the end of the year, he had to decide. He'd line up all of his majors, me being one of them. And he'd say, right, which is the best, which is the second best, you know, which is the third best. And he would then be told, right, I can put, I can give a couple of A grades, I can give a couple of B grades, I can give a couple of C grades. Now, for him, it was extremely difficult to, to, to match me against one of his infantry majors because they were doing a job that he understood. They were doing a job that he had a particular interest in. They were doing the job that he considered to be his main business. And I wasn't. So it was quite tough for him to then say, right, well, okay, well, Andy's at least as good as, you know, this guy who's leading, you know, the parachute company that I've got. And he didn't. And he didn't. So I came out of that with very average grades. So he was told to follow uh, what we used to call forced distribution. Absolutely. Absolutely. He And, and, it, and, it, and it gets worse, actually, because... He had to grade us. He then presented those grades to the brigadier. And the brigadier had to do the same thing all over again, but times five or six. By which time, you know, my fairly average grade was becoming very below average because you know, there were there were these young thrusting infantry officers right across the, um, the army's, uh, what do they call it, the infantry training centre in Catherine. And you basically, you're comparing apples and oranges and you know, apples and pears. It, had I been working in an organisation where I was being compared with other education officers, I would have stood much more chance of, you know, being successful, hitting the, the highs, getting the great grades. Now, I'm not saying that I would have got those. I don't know whether I'm good enough or not. But all I'm saying is that the, the way that the promotions worked was that depending on who you were being compared with, made a big difference to the you know to the to the overall result and people who got promoted in my branch tended to be the ones who worked in all education core environments because it was easier for them to compare like with like and it was easier for the people reporting on them to judge them um, according to what they understood and what they were looking for so are you saying you think it was a bit unfair i think it was 
very unfair, but it was unfair in a way that we kind of all understood. And I guess we all signed up to it in, in, in some ways. I don't feel any sense of unfair treatment because I I made my own choices. I, I, I decided quite early on in my career that I wanted to have a varied and interesting career. And in order to get the promotions that were there, I would have had to sacrifice you know, two years working with the Gurkhas or two years getting posted to Brunei or two years in Cyprus for, you know, two years working in army headquarters in Andover. Now, to me, that was a very simple choice to make. I sacrificed the opportunity to become you know, a colonel if, had, I, had I desperately wanted it. But for me, that wasn't, that wasn't my driving force. Mm. And you said earlier, though, when you realised this was going on, that that sort of sent the signal to you that your army career was probably coming to an end. Just talk us through a bit more about that. So it's not it's not coming to an end. Your opportunities for promotion are coming to an end. The, the, the way that the army was, was functioning when I was in was that I, I could have stayed until I was 55. And that's a natural cutoff point. 55, unless you've made it to, to general, you retire. So I actually retired when I was 45. So I could have I could have stayed for another 10 years. But I knew that if I stayed for those 10 years, I almost certainly wouldn't get promoted, I would almost certainly stay as a major. And and I'd be working for lieutenant colonels, or even colonels who were significantly younger than me. And I just decided I didn't I didn't want to do that. I wasn't I wasn't content to do that. I know a lot of people who did that. And I know a lot of people who've had extremely fulfilling careers as a result of that. So but it's it's a choice you make. Why? What was missing then? Why, why do I, did you think, no, uh, this is not the path for me? I felt that I'd done everything I wanted to do. Although the Army is a huge organisation and there are loads of opportunities, you can quickly get to the point where you've done most of them, if that makes sense. That doesn't actually make much sense. But for me, there were, there were certain overseas locations that I wanted to work in. I had all of those, done all of those. There were operational tours. I'd done most of those. There were places around the country where I'd wanted to work and I'd been to the, the most of the ones where I wanted to go. So I was faced really with the, with the choice to, to get out on a high when I was still really happy with the job or I could go and take a, a desk job in uh, Andover was actually where I was offered. And I was starting to get the point to the point where I was repeating myself. You know, I, I would now, from now on, I would have to take jobs that I'd already done or similar to what I'd already done. So I just thought, no, this is a great time to, it's a great time to get out. I've, I've had a great career. I've loved every minute of it. I've reached probably the pinnacle of my promotion and there are other things to do. I can get out and, you know, try, try a different career. So what was it that you thought you would get outside of the army? I wanted to, I wanted to experience what it was like to be self-employed. I was, I was very keen to, to try my hand at, at being self-employed. And, and I think what I had discovered through the 21 years in the army, I discovered what I liked and what I didn't like. <laughs> and I think for me, the thing that I actually didn't like was that was that sort of cutthroat approach to having to, having to constantly be in competition with your, with your colleagues. It was always a kind of which one of us is going to get promoted, which one, which one's going to move up to the next level, and I didn't like I didn't like that side of it. 
how did you feel then when you when you came to the point where you thought, okay, right, well, I I need to make a change, and that change probably means leaving the army. Just talk us through how that felt. I can remember it quite clearly. I was the, it, the decision was almost made for me. I, I, I was. You may remember that between I think it was between two thousand and ten two thousand and fourteen, the government reduced the size of the army dramatically. And they did it in three waves. They called them tranche one, tranche two, tranche three. Tranche three, they identified categories of people they wanted to make redundant. And one of the categories was majors with over 20 years service between 40 and 50 who were unlikely to get promoted. And I looked at this and I thought, well, that's that's me. You know, you've identified me absolutely spot on. So the choice I had was, do I volunteer for redundancy or do I you know, hang on and then not get made redundant or hang on and get made redundant. So, so it was, it, there was a, there was a little bit of me was uh, a little bit of my decision was pride. I thought, is it better to jump before you get pushed? A little bit of me was also, I think there was a financial incentive as, as I remember, I, th- I think struggling to remember now, I think it was better for me to leave than to get pushed. And I also thought, well, if I get out, I'm going to be a little bit ahead of the curve. So if there are any, you know, if there's, problems finding jobs I'll, I'll be there before everybody else is and the thing that really pushed it for me was I was posted to Brunei when this announcement was made and I remember the morning that I made this decision I was um I was looking out the window the sun was shining there were palm trees and monkeys in the trees and it was just absolutely beautiful and I had a, a conversation with my postings officer who said to me well the the next job for you is going to be at Education Corps headquarters in Andover. So I thought, right, I'm going to be spending the next two years of my life traveling from North Yorkshire to Andover, probably Sunday night to Friday night. Uh, I will have a you know miserable time of it. Or I can you know, take this rather nice redundancy package that I'm being offered. So it was quite a simple, it was actually quite a simple choice. And I felt great. <laughs> I felt great afterwards. And, and, uh, the reason I felt great was nothing to do with any negative feelings about the army. Uh, I had had a great time and I had done everything that I wanted to do. So it, 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 for me, it was almost uh, winning a prize, having that opportunity to, to resign under those terms. Okay, so you left the army. You've set up your own business now as a leadership coach. How's life now compared to time in the army? It couldn't be more different, actually. So having gone from that incredibly structured organization where you know that you must do this, this and this in order to get to here, there is no promotion. The only thing I could compare to promotion in what I do now is by uh, perhaps making more money, getting bigger clients, being busier. That would equate as closely as I can think of to, to that promotion. So I no longer work in any sort of structured environment. And what does what those things motivate you? Are they motivators for you? I, I often think about that. I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I need a huge amount of motivation. I actually, I, I enjoy what I do. And I don't generally need to be encouraged to do, to do something else. I get a huge kick out of winning a, a contract. I get a huge kick out of getting great feedback you know, from courses that I've run. If employers re-employ me because of they liked what I did, that makes me happy. Am I searching for sort of, you know, something much bigger and better? I, I, I don't think so. 
I'm not driven in the way that perhaps I used to be in terms of you know wanting to be a successful army officer. Uh, and I'm no longer tied into that sort of who got promoted, who didn't get promoted, what do I have to do to get promoted? Because I think promote, I think that can be, I think it can, it, it can wear you down. I, I, I certainly saw it. I saw it, among, I saw it in myself, but I saw it in colleagues as well, that people would absolutely convince themselves that they were the next promotion. And when they didn't get it, they were really upset. Can you talk us through maybe a specific example? If you you remember that? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I have a, a very good friend. He, we're still good friends. We've both left the army now. We're still very good friends. But he he would you know, on pink list week when that started to come out about a week beforehand. He'd be ringing me up. We'd be going through names. Who do we think is going to appear on it? Do you think I'm going to be on it? Uh, and then the morning that it came out, um, if his name wasn't on it, and it never was, he would just be fuming it, you know it was never his fault it was always the army's fault people weren't no one reported on him correctly he wasn't given the opportunities that other people were given the, the endless excuses for why what you know why he'd been passed over and it and it it got to him it got to him it made him an angry person it made him very uncomfortable i think it focused far too much of his attention uh, or he focused far too much of his attention on this this one event of the year to the detriment of, of actually enjoying what he was doing. And and I, I knew, I know that I was part of that as well. I, I I also used to get very upset about it. And when I look back on myself now, I find it hard to picture that person who would get so upset about you know why he didn't get promoted. However, I do use a lot of it when I'm training other people. And I've noticed that um, within a lot of the organisations that I, that I coach or, or, or train, they don't have this structure that I'm familiar with, this promotion structure. So when you're coaching somebody or you're just generally sort of trying to develop somebody, one of the most common themes that you might discuss in coaching is this idea of, you know, where do you want to be in the future? What do you want to achieve? Now, if you said that to a soldier or, or an officer, they would say, well, I want to be promoted to the next two ranks or three ranks. And, the, and there wouldn't really be a question about it. That would be their ambition. But you do that, you say it to somebody who works in an IT company, and they don't know. And one of the reasons they don't know, I think, is because they haven't got a roadmap in the way that, that the army provides a roadmap. And I wonder whether actually that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I'm, and I'm not sure I know the answer. But I do think, I do think that people need to have sight of some sort of journey that they're going to go on they need they need to to be looking to a point in the future where they will consider that they've achieved something that they're after and if you don't have that if, if the business you're in doesn't give you that opportunity i i wonder whether that can be demotivating for young people particularly mm. all right turn that around then Turn what you've said and, and and all that you've you've been thinking about into tips and advice for people. Mm. I believe that you don't want to focus too much on promotion. I think promotion can be overrated to the point where it can get in the way of you having a full and enjoyable life. I knew a lot of people in the army who missed out on on some wonderful opportunities because they only had their eye on the promotion ball so for example i 
I spend a lot of time organizing adventure training, foreign trips, taking people climbing, skiing, you know, diving. I know people who who would never come on these exciting adventures because they felt that if they went on these sort of adventures, it would look bad on their reports. It would look it would slow down their opportunities for promotion. So they didn't do it. Now that's great. Maybe they got to Lieutenant Colonel, maybe they got to Colonel, but they didn't enjoy it. They didn't enjoy the journey in the same way that I did. And I think that's really important. I spent time in Germany. I spent time in Cyprus. I spent time in, in uh, Brunei. Again, three potential postings that people would have, would have rejected because it wouldn't have given them their promotion opportunities. Now, to me, you know, life is very short and opportunities are, are there to be taken. And if you focus on promotion and nothing else, you are limiting your experiences, you're limiting your, your life chances. So I would say really think very hard about what you want to get from your, from your career, because it isn't all about that. It isn't all about promotion. It's about enjoying the journey as well. A big thanks to Andy for giving a great insight into promotion army style and for sharing his experiences of being part of that system. Two things have stayed with me most following our conversation. The value of having a clear path to follow for progression and, I suppose, something of a counterbalance to that, and his advice about not getting obsessed with moving up the ranks. Taking time to enjoy the journey. I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. We help leaders who want to get heard, be understood, and to build trust. Goodbye.